All right, welcome back. We finally got a name. It's Do Your Own Research or DYOR. We haven't really decided if we're going to actually use the acronym yet. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was staring us in the face right all, all the way along, wasn't it? But uh, we thought we needed to formalize it. We'll keep it on this channel for now. If if we feel like spinning it out onto a, uh, another channel, we'll we'll do that. But um, yeah, five six three. How are we doing? Doing great, man. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. Yeah, this is uh, we covered it slightly in in the last episode, and there's going to be an awful lot of stuff you see coming out of the Blockmates camp um, on this topic because we're both quietly optimistic about the way that this aspect of the industry is going but today's topic is on what our intents and everything surrounding that why who what when where and um yeah we're just going to pick it apart but yeah you, you did a great piece for the bankless guys um on this and i think we've chatted about it previously and we touched upon it on the top one release projects but should we just go high level and drill down? I'm sure we'll go on a million one tangents like we always do, but <laughs> hopefully it'll be entertaining and educational for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. We can go through the mechanics first, just like what are intents and why are they different? Um, so like if you have a regular swap transaction, uh, you're telling the protocol exactly how you want that done. So you specify how you want that swap to take place. So for example, if you're using like something like DeFi Llama's meta aggregator, you say, okay, I want to swap ETH for USDC. I want to swap one ETH. I want at least this much USDC back. And it'll pop out a list uh, from different aggregators. So you got like 0x, matcha, one inch, whole list. And you go and you specify exactly which one you want. So with an intent-based swap, it's different. You specify what you want. And the solvers or these like market makers in the background are competing to give you the best execution. So they're figuring out the how how exactly you want that swap to take place. Um, so they'll abstract that away from you. So a regular DEX can offer really good um, execution, but only based on the available liquidity in the liquidity pool itself. So that's good for like long tail assets because anyone can spin up any kind of pool they want. You could have a Pepe Bitcoin pool if you want, but you're not gonna get that somewhere like on Binance. You're not gonna get these permissionless pools. So regular DEX really good for long tail assets. But for the short tail, like the pairs that are traded really often, like Bitcoin, ETH, USDC, those are really traded the most on centralized exchanges. And that's where you see all the volume. So with an intent-based DEX, these market makers are able to source their liquidity from all over the place. They can grab liquidity from their books. They can grab liquidity from a DEX or a centralized exchange or an OTC trade. Um, so like, for example, if they want to fill your one Bitcoin order on chain, they can use their on-chain liquidity that already exists, but then they can go and hedge their bet over on a centralized exchange where they already have an account. They can go net out their books on a DEX, on an OTC trade. Uh, and why, why is this important? I mean, this means that no matter where the best execution lives, the market makers are incentivized to compete for you to give you that best execution. And while today, price discovery occurs wherever there's most liquidity. So today that's mostly on Binance um, for the short tail. And then hopefully in the future, uh, that could be on intent-based protocols since they aggregate off-chain, on-chain liquidity into a single marketplace where all these transactions take place. So you could have liquidity for short tail, mostly on centralized exchanges. Long tail usually is on decentralized exchanges. And for those like really low liquidity, um, 
tokens out there, a lot of the times they're you need to get liquidity through OTC trades, and that's not really accessible for the everyday user. But market makers and solvers could do that for us. Yeah, and so so just to kind of like recap and reiterate, like so, your traditional like if we look at a centralized exchange. I'm assuming people, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you know how to trade on a, on a Binance or a Coinbase. Um, and then obviously the primary model for trading on chain pioneered primarily by Uniswap is the, the MM. We've seen UniV2 and a lot of kind of like emerging shit coins that come onto the market that are extremely low liquidity and need to bootstrap will still use UniV2's mechanism. Right. You will see some savvy, savvy players come in that will try and scoop up a large portion of the supply quite early if they're seeing an awful lot of volume per market cap come in and then have some extremely lucrative shitcoin univ3 farming positions going on which is a quite interesting strategy if no one's seen that like i think the early days of when pepe was running there was like some really lucrative strategies that you could run with like a really short um range on univ3 that if you could actively manage it really really well there was like wonderland time style aprs if you were if you knew what you were doing <laughs> you just gotta grab the right range yeah yeah and there's a there's a few um there's a few kind of auto managers you can kind of set a couple of ranges we'll probably get into a full episode on in and of itself but yeah there has been there's been a lot of information a lot of research and a lot of kind of pushback that well, it's twofold one traditional lps in the mm space you're not going to be profitable like, <laughs> like it's it's either impermanent loss which is kind of slowly getting switch, switched over to terminology of loss versus rebalancing um a lot of people that are just going in blindly not knowing what they're doing particularly on the um univ2 model you definitely like i've took take it from like first-hand experience here i've been eating up alive to the downside and then there's also nothing worse than when one of the assets in your pairing just causing a complete tear and every single every single tick that it moves up you're holding less and less of that asset. Right. and that's not that's not great either <laughs> yeah that triggered a memory in me i remember when i was first playing around with like the luna ecosystem and i uh, i deposited into the luna usdc or ust pool i was just watching luna moon and i was like why isn't my lp going <laughs> i'm so slow and then I'll crash down anyway, but it's it was yeah. it's hurtful in the moment. <laughs> and then with Uni V3, I think we've added that additional extra layer of complexity, but mm -hmm. architectural wise, it, it, it starts to resemble more of the closest you're probably gonna get to a fully on-chain order book. And there are off there are kind of quote unquote on-chain central limit order books that a lot of them will, will handle execution off-chain anyway. So, like, purely on-chain, that's as good as we've got up to now. Um, I think we mentioned it. I don't know if we've got parts on this a little bit further down, but um, we mentioned in the previous episode that it's really interesting to see that, and we've did a lot of work on this. You did a great piece on this as well. Uni V4s and their kind of, looks like a switch to more of an infrastructure player like outsourcing right 
someone else is going to come up with the the perfect build for their specific token or someone might find like the the sweet spot of how the mm with hooks and lots of different implementation can work but what we also brought up was kind of flew under the radar that they announced uniswap x which is also an intent based protocol which i'm sure we'll get into when we go into some of the other um intent based protocols in in the system but that for me and i don't know i don't know if i'm just reading too much into this but that feels for me that right uniswap have pushed the mm design to as far as they physically can with univ3 and then whatever kind of standardized um mms they're going to push out with univ4 and then kind of outsource the rest of the build with their infrastructure to whoever wants to build and, and try and come up with what they can come up with. And then it also feels like they're hedging against the MM not being the the model that the industry takes forward from there on out because they are going for this intent-based intent system. So I don't know if I'm reading too much into that, but it, to me, it kind of feels like they're hedging the bets there. Yeah, I feel like the V4 hooks play was very interesting because instead of a thousand different forks competing with Uniswap, all these thousand different forks are just going to build on top of Uniswap. And they're just going to tweak the fork, tweak the, the hooks, and then they're just going to have their version of Uniswap pools exist. But it all benefits Uniswap. And the same kind of thing happens with Uniswap X, where they're introducing these solvers in the background. So you're not going to necessarily know from your, like the front end perspective, if your trade is routed through a v2 pool a v3 pool a v4 pool or through these solvers and uh, whoever gives you the best execution is going to fulfill your order that's just better for the user in the end yeah so we've got a couple of protocols primarily building in, in the spot if we start on this in this in the spot space and then we can yeah. kind of tap into the, to the pub space i'm just going to move these notes up because um, I went down a cow swap rabbit hole earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> go for um, it. Um, they've also, uh, I'm in talks with them to come on the podcast, so I'll try and make it a, a good time where it's suitable for you because I know we're at opposite sides of the world. So <laughs> might be might be a similar sort of time, but I think that'll be a really good episode to expand on the back of this. Um, but um, yeah, we've said Uniswap X, there's Hashflow, One Inch Fusion. Um, my favorite is CowSwap and Cowswap doesn't just have a cool name. <laughs> so we think back to what 563 has just said. Intense-based um, decentralized exchange. If you go on there, you um, basically you'd, it's 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 got the most simple UI. It just looks like a Uniswap UI, but there's a lot of like cow iconography all over there. And it's um the name Cowswap isn't just another kind of animal or food token. So cow Cowswap actually stands for coincidence of wants. And I'll get into what that means in a second. But basically these guys work off a batched auction auction model. So let's say um tell you what, I'm gonna share the screen for this one so Henry doesn't have to actually do the edit and I can bring up that great um imagery in the docs. So from left to right, basically what's happening here is if you can see it. Yeah. You can see it on your end? Yeah. So what they've got on the left, if anyone's listening on Spotify, is the trading interface, which I've just said. Very, very simple Uniswap style model. And I might even just bring it up just for reference. So everyone knows what I'm talking about. So yeah, like everyone knows what that is, right? It's yeah, a, just basically, they, I'm not entirely sure why this is. I haven't looked into it. There's probably a very simple reason for this, but it, it prompts you to swap into wrapped ETH for a lot of the trades um 
I don't understand why that is. Maybe I need to think about that a little bit more. I've really thought that process. Through. Earlier versions of Uniswap, they had to use wrapped ETH because it's an ERC-20 and it's swapping yeah. with other ERC-20s. Yeah. I don't know. I think that just happens in the background though, usually. Yeah, there's, there's, there's probably a, a little bit of that going on. Um, so so what's actually happening under the hood and why why is this interest then? Um, but as you say, if you're just coming into this blind and you just use it, you just think, oh, it's just a great little... It's a great deck. It gives me a exactly. good prize, and then it, and then it goes moo at the end when it fills your order. <laughs> <laughs> but the the beauty is underneath the hood. Um, so what it's got on the left is a lot of people coming here. They're expressing their intent to trade. Let's say, let's say this example is like ETH. They want to they, they get a bearish on the market. It looks like it's going to have a little pullback. They want to sell all their ETH in USDC. Um, let's say they've got varying degrees of how much ETH they've actually got. Uh, and then they use the trading interface and express their intent. So that's step one. So step two is actually handled off-chain, which is kind of one of the contentious issues of this. And we've got like a full portion on this on the end, so I won't go too much into it. But basically what's happening off-chain, it's getting the order of uh, the intents that have been expressed on the, on the platform, and then they're getting bundled into a batch. So the protocol gathers them, puts them into a batch auction. And then as 563 was saying, you've got these solvers all competing to see who can give the best bang for the buck for that batched um, batched auction at that point. Those in time. are basically so market makers. Exactly. Exactly. So they're coming from a whole wide of different um, on-chain, off-chain, flash loans, wherever wherever's going to give this best settled price, uh, the best confirmed price. So point three on the diagram is solvers compete to maximize the surplus for, for all the intents. Um, what is really interesting is that Cowswap actually has another aspect to it, which um, kind of makes sense now. So, and this is the whole coincidence of once and hen hence the name. So there are multiple different routes that these solvers will then actually go down. So there could be just, as I said, there could be just some on-chain liquidity that they'll use. And it kind of acts as a, aggregator aggregator like a, like a like how DeFi lambs is set up here so you can see on here they've got one inch balancer uni don't know what that one is is it matcha maybe that's matcha yeah yeah, yeah matcha kyber swap and um paraswap i think it is mm -hmm. so they can source from there uh they can source from cow which is coincidental once this might mean that i don't know like alice here on the top uh and then bob below they've actually got a similar 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 trade but in reverse so they can actually be direct counterparties to each other so maybe alice wants to sell two thousand dollars worth of eve and bob wants to buy a thousand dollars worth of eve so alice has got like another thousand dollars worth of eve to sell and then then actually that will actually then root it maybe it roots it through an amm that might give it the best price and then the solvers are figuring that out or they actually have this thing called ring trades as well so there might be any variation of these six members on the left might actually be a lot closer to actually just do peer-to-peer -peer trading. So there's beauties of this as well, which includes all prices being, uh, all trades happening in the same block at the same price, which is obviously a big kind of um, win for the traders. They're getting the best price. Uh, they're not getting front run in any way, shape, which way, shape or form. So I think that's really, really interesting. I think this is kind of overlooked, but this didn't, this kind of reminds me of like Eva Delta in the early days, which didn't work. Um, because that was like more of an on-chain order book, and there just wasn't the volume. People were waiting for so and get orders filled. Yeah, you this need is like the order free. Match, right? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then um, and then the final bit, getting submitted back on chain, obviously you're going to receive your assets. The winning batch executes all intent transactions in a single transaction. And then if you're on the cow.fi or cowswap app, you'll hear the big moo because you've got the best best price for your assets. And uh, yeah, that's kind of the process under the hood. But again, outside looking in, it just looks like another DEX, but it's actually a completely different operation under the hood. But yeah, I thought that was, uh, I, as you can see, I went down this huge castle rabbit hole today and i'm uh super bullish and then i even looked at the chart and i was like oh my god just <laughs> look at that chart. <laughs> do you know if they're uh connected to DeFi llama meta aggregator i don't know i think they serve this a similar similar purpose um yeah because i wonder so I put... if they're both plugged into the same pools right yeah it looks like this like this i guess you could like... check the execution too see which is better yeah yeah, absolutely. It's like, um, as I say, it's like an aggregator, aggregator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, that's uh, that's CowSwap. As I say, we've got Hashflow. That's more of an RFQ system request for Quote. Uh, Uniswap X is uh, RFQ again. So they'll have kind of permissioned, hopefully with the advent of going towards permissionless market makers. Um, yeah. Trying to make sure it's nice at first. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You kind of whitelist those people first and then check it out. I, I'm not entirely sure off the top of my head how one inch fusion works, but I can imagine it's a mixture between RFQ and just just pure aggregation. Yeah, and we have some a couple resources here. The Delphi Digital Report is actually really good. It goes through a lot of these different protocols that use intents. Yeah, that is that is a really good piece actually. I, I enjoyed reading that. Um, I really like the oh you can highlight and comment on their thing. We might have to pinch that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully no one's listening from Delphi. Uh we didn't say that. Um yeah. so do you wanna do you wanna go on to is there anything we missed off there before yeah, we move on? Did. Yeah, so potential issues. Do you wanna go first and I can I can weigh in? Yeah, sure. So like we talked about, are you worried about letting these market makers, and these are usually like these big players in the industry, like be the only actors to offer these trades? Like, is this too much centralization that we're introducing here? What do you think? I think, so I think you're gonna get a lot of pushback from protocols who are building in the kind of permissionless space, I think the ambient guys might give a bit of pushback. Um, yeah. It was previously CrocSwap. I think the biggest, like Uniswap are not in any position to have public uh, pushback on this now because they've got Uniswap X. So that's quite an interesting dynamic. You just got to watch the politics at play and like see who who is giving pushback. There will be people who are so far like down the rabbit hole of everything needs to be permissionless and um, everything needs to be on chain. Everything needs to be self-custody. We don't need to take anything off chain. Yeah. But I think like, but at the same time, it's like, but are we just going to sacrifice people getting sandwich attacked and losing <laughs> absolute fortunes? And I seen someone trade $1,500 for one pith earlier. Cause it was just like, such a large. Get out front of here. Front. Yeah. And it's just like, so, so we just we just okay with that 
<laughs> industry. Well, I guess or the do we, or do we want to try that, someone else? Pushback <laughs> to that would be like, you're just, you don't know if they're going to do that off chain necessarily, uh, unless there's some kind of uh, checking system on chain to make sure you're not being sandwich attacked. There's no collusion between these market makers. Um, and yeah. I think that's why Uniswap X is starting out with a permissioned list just so they can test the waters. And uh, I guess if they're plugged in as well, I guess in the Uniswap's case, they're already plugged into the V2 and V3 pools. And if there's better execution on those V2 and V3 pools, it'll just not use yeah. those solvers. Yeah, yeah, it just roots through the... I mean, yeah, come to think of it, if you, like, if you're in a low liquidity environment and it could quite easily be... If there was collusion, it'd be very, very easy to be able to manipulate price. But um, what... If you, the... Um, one inch fusion UI and UX is quite interesting though because you can you can specifically express that you are only willing to accept like say the ESA two thousand like like this certain amount of slippage and in this certain amount of range and this certain amount of time so it's a very very interesting it kind of adds an extra layer of complexity for the average user I think mm -hmm. um so that kind of probably needs to be abstracted away in some point but. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what you said. It's definitely going to be some shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully there's some protections in place like those slippage tolerances. I know when you use DeFi Llama's um, meta aggregator and the slippage is too high, you have to like type in I accept yeah. or something like that. Yeah, confirm. Yeah. Especially when there's like taxes on tokens, it's, it's kind of annoying. But um, I'm glad they have those protections in place anyway. Uh, but I yeah. guess from my perspective, bringing the price discovery itself on chain is a big step towards distancing ourselves from these uh, centralizing powers. Because if you think about it, all the price um, discovery now that happens on Binance, that's not being checked on chain by anybody. That's just happening over there. Um, so even though we rely on these market makers to provide markets, we can bring this on chain that'll add like a layer of accountability, hopefully. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the Delphi report actually mentioned some. So this was an interesting point, and it's a roundabout way of getting to what I was about to say. Is, so it says in, in April 2022, solving was domin uh, dominated by aggregators like One Inch, Zero X, Cows Aggregator, and Paraswap. Today, it is dominated by professional solvers like Barter, Otex, Claretes, I don't know how you say that, a C solver, and more. We expect this trend to continue as solving becomes the game in town and where the majority of value. Uh, in blockchains will accrue so you're already seeing like a a bit of a switch and i guarantee there's there's large prop shops market makers all really starting to focus in on this i don't think it's going to be a heavy lift because i think they're probably already doing this on centralized venues anyway i'd like to see how market makers who've traditionally been operating on chain then strike market making deals with with um new tokens that come to market um, I think it'll be a lot easier for them to participate in this place, uh, particularly if there isn't centralized exchange listings. So, like, I don't know, a new new token comes to market where they might have a market making deal with like a um, small or medium size market making firm. If it was through an, uh, uh, an intense or an RFQ based system, that's going to be a lot easier for them to handle as opposed to. I know people are trying to do it through Uni V3. I think Iraq has had um their own way of actually doing it with palm so like that was just like a layer of complexity on a layer of complexity and like this might as you say 
price discovery and kind of price price flaws around kind of strike price based on market making deals this could be quite interesting to watch and, and see how that kind of pans out if there are market makers willing to kind of start tapping into this but if they don't someone is going to going to do it and they're going to make a pretty penny and then it like it's a vulva die isn't it in this market so be interesting to see. <laughs> well maybe even that's a good thing for accountability for market makers too because a lot of these new projects are take getting taken advantage of from some of these market makers um <laughs> won't name names but i'm sure you can think of some um <laughs> that'll just manipulate the hell out of the price of these new tokens and then just reap all the benefits to the detriment of the new project so yeah. hopefully bring in more of that on chain will help the projects. Yeah. Um, I again, I think we just you're gonna just get the pushback, and I think there's a there's a couple of big changes coming to the industry where there's gonna be a lot of noise, and then people are gonna realize that it might actually be a better product, and then we're just gonna forget about it. Um, yeah. There's gonna be intent, and then there's also gonna be app chains coming online where they're purely KYC, and Yep. You put both of them together, and that's because these apps are sick of having very, very kind of, what's the word for it? Like, liquidity is going to stick around on these specific apps if there's an incentive to do so, and they're completely sick of that. And then as soon as, like, the incentive is gone, they're just going to go off to the next one, and then the app's going to be sat in low liquidity environment. They don't actually know how many users they've returned off that incentive program. They want the big money to come in. The big money is not going to come in if there isn't infrastructure in place to actually allow them to market make. And it's also not going to come in if they don't know who the counterparty is. So intent and KYC app chains, I think is going to be a really big one. I'd really like to keep a close eye on Lyra. It was yeah. like a 50% move, 500k buy that way <laughs> yesterday. And I know they've been something. teasing V2. So there's something going on there. But I think there's like these two big changes that are, if you're a complete, if you're looking at this from a, like a purely like DeFi perspective, where there there shouldn't be any instance of centralization whatsoever, I think there will be pushback from 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 that crowd. And like I'm, I can't kind of lean that in that camp. Certain things, but I'm also kind of realistic about how technology will move, and I think it needs that large liquidity. And I think intense and maybe some KYC on specific app chains will will be a big shake in 2024 i think totally agree yeah you want to move over to uh the perp side yes <clears throat> do you want to take us away oh sure um so it's a little bit different when you look at perps because it's a contract as opposed to a direct swap so like in a in a spot based one like we talked about earlier you sell you sell your one eth for 2000 usdc and you go on your way but when you put up uh, a perps contract, you're basically putting up collateral. And then on the other side, the solver has to put up an equal size collateral into a contract and it's locked to there where only the trader is, has the option to close that position early, unless there's some kind of liquidation. Um, but that's basically the risk that the market maker is taking on that. They're not able to close it unless there's a liquidation. Um, but a lot of solvers, market makers are definitely happy with that because people trading perps usually lose money anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> as we're very familiar. Um, so both sides have to put that margin up. And then one benefit of this type of network and this type of architecture in a, an, an intense based is if the solver themselves are liquidated, 
that extra margin that they've put up is in part used to incentivize other solvers to come in and take over that trade. So that trade can remain open and it's still like a seamless experience for the trader. Um, so that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so have you tried any of these intent-based perp swaps yet? You know, so intent X, um, I haven't given it a go yet. It's got, I've got to open this. We can leave, um, we can leave the, the invite code for people actually in the description if people want to give it a go i think we've got one because we're going to do that article on on, on intent x so but now i haven't I have given it a go what's the kind of what's the if you, if you use it yourself yeah is there like a specific yeah. user journey what's the what's the kind of initial feedback you think i would definitely use the code by the way because you get some tr trading fees uh taken off that's pretty nice um but yeah it's it's basically um pretty similar to other perps dexes that you've used in the past i'm sure uh, so you deposit into it like kind of like hyperliquid. So you just deposit into an account, um, and then they have like something like 180 trading pairs on there. It's pretty crazy. And then, um, yeah, you just put in a trade for long or short on certain assets. You put up the leverage, however you, much you want it, and then you go for it. I think there's some definitely some improvements to be made on the the UX side from like uh, stop losses and taking profit lines and that sort of thing. But I think that's more on the infrastructure they're using. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty excited because in theory, these are giving you a lot better execution because it's sourcing it from a lot of different market makers. And I think it's just the first step. I think uh, Pear is using a similar backend too. So um, that's been a fun one to try out too. Yeah, so so I was saying before I jumped on, I, I was recording with Huff from Pear Protocol. I'll be covered in top unreleased projects episode if you want to go and listen to that one. And a few interesting points that he brought up about this. So, so per V one is kind of like a kind of like a a, a perps aggregator, I, I suppose, with a much. I thought they use more... a GLP in the background or something. Yeah, so they've got GLP, and the other one that they're running is uh, Vertex. Okay. Um, because the the cons of GLP with pair because it's obviously pair trading so ideally going long on one asset and shorten another tight isolate market risk and um basically just betting on two horse race um glp is not great for that because it's isolated margin um vertex actually has cross margin so you don't actually need to like rehype off get like the long side and the short side of the trade yeah you don't have to it, put margin from both sides yeah exactly so it's like if like i don't know if you're in salt eve for the past six weeks nice. um just yeah, well played if you were <laughs> um yeah it just makes a lot more sense to have cross margin if you're gonna actually do that but what he said is v2 so they're gonna have both but with v2 of per they'll use like an intense based um system because they can also, when you actually are intent, like um, expressing your intent to trade a specific pair, you can get a little bit more, you can come up with some more fruity concoctions of that specific trade because there is um, a lot smarter solvers on the back end. So like he was saying, um, you could even be as specific as um, long short if my long beta is over like X amount, then like re-add to, to the short side. So oh, you can cool. get really, really like, you can you can get really like kind of advanced order types on there. Um, maybe if your profit is into X amount, take profit. Pretty simple. Um, and again, 
even to the point on pair where you could get you could kind of long a basket of of assets and, and short i don't know save you a long ai short um microsoft <laughs> 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 i couldn't think i couldn't think of a, a reverse trade on that but like um i think the, the point he was getting at is you're gonna have so much more flexibility with the order types using intents it's gonna really open up the kind of um the actual space for a specific trade as well so i think that's going to be really interesting and you know we're a bit a bit kind of like penned in with what we can actually do on, on specific on-chain indexes at the minute but uh yeah it seems like this is going to open the door to a lot more as well which is quite interesting i think yeah i think just the advanced orders and the different type of assets um that they're adding in is going to open the aperture like you said a lot because you can go long ai short meme coins or just yeah. express your market like views in a lot of different ways that aren't possible elsewhere. So I'm excited. Yeah. The um, what's it? What was interesting is it's like as you say, with how many pairs they have. If you're relying on any other model that I can think of, really, I think Vertex might be a, a good kind of central limit order book MM hybrid, but I think perps like intent, intent x are going to be able to move so quickly with new listings because of how low the lift will be for a market maker to actually offer that to people who are expressing their intent to trade i think even from like a marketing perspective like let's say um i don't know layer zero drops tomorrow and, and they can just like offer it immediately like even just having like even just being first to being able to offer that on chain it's huge it's such it's yeah it's so it's so huge and like it's just the low like the the amount of like low lift that they actually have to do to kind of get that one run i seen they had like listed another like five pairs or some shit yesterday so i think it's going to be really <laughs> difficult for like gmx v2 is never going to be able to keep up with that no as much I mean, as i love the love the gmx it. team but like yeah if all they have to do is plug in a new line of code that says, look at this contract as well, then mm -hmm. it's it's night and day compared to centralized exchanges. Yeah, dude. I suppose it's like different horses for different courses, isn't it? Like people are gonna have like specific reasons to use these um to use any which perp stacks, but you know, it just seems like they've got an awful lot going for them. Um I think it'll all come down any... to UX, though, really. Oh, God, yeah, it's huge, isn't it? If they can get it in the hands of people, I think if they can get it mobile first with pe in, in the hands of, like, it's just going to be, it's going to be nuts. Uh, this is why to get to mobile first. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm terrible, aren't I? I won't be <laughs> happy until everyone's running off a, an iPhone. <laughs> I don't even have a wallet on my phone. I'm going to step it up. <laughs> Um, what have we got here? Advantage of uh, central limit order books. Yeah, yeah. So we talked through a little bit of why using these um, these different uh, like intent-based architectures over existing architectures. So you have like a virtual AMM, a VAMM, like GMX's V1, like their GLP model. Uh, just by design, that has a lot of idle capital because the GLP itself is the counterparty and it's that pool of liquidity that you have to draw from. So trades can only ha be opened if there's sufficient GLP backing to take that counterparty. Um, but when you have something like just-in-time liquidity, that's possible from intents. 
So someone puts up, all right, I want this trade to go through, but that liquidity doesn't exist. A solver can come in and say, oh, we have that liquidity, use this one. And yeah. that's like a lot more capital efficient than having this pool of GLP just sitting there, not being used for the most part. Um, yeah, so you have that. that happened, to me, yeah. happened to me this week. Really? Um, last week. The, um, the uh, you know, it's really strange. Like, markets are so slow to react to like huge news recently and like no one's paying soon attention i seen yeah no one's paying attention i seen the avalanche announcement of jp morgan and the subnets I yeah was like, where the hell do i trade avax on chain i was like no i'm not going i'm not taking my money off and i was like oh gmx i was like gmx v1 on avalanche and then i i'd open it on there fortunately, yeah fortunately there was sufficient liquidity and then I seen everyone being like, why is uh, AVAX GLP like paying 300% <laughs> APR? And it's because like everyone was trying to long AVAX on chain. And that was the only like. Oh, the GLP probably crashed to too. Yeah. Over there. So they got wrecked, I'm sure, from the longs. They got wrecked by my long. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Nice work. Nice work, man. <laughs> now, I mean, also with the, the VAMMs, they require Oracle pricing feeds. So you have that dependency as well. And sometimes you have a lag. So I remember early on in the G, uh, GMX days, there was that vulnerability with the Oracle lag, or it was a manipulation. I'm not sure. It's like half a million dollars. Like it was actually AVAX as well, wasn't it? Oh, was it? Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I remember it was only ha only half a million got exploited, but I guess it could be worse. It just shows that uh, Oracle reliance is not always uh, something you want to take on. Yeah. Uh, funny story about that. The person who actually did that exploit, or if you want to call it an exploit, um, I'm pretty sure they like managed to lose all the money that they actually made during that exploit in like 48 hours. <laughs> Shit, we just away. traded away. Oh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and yeah, like, and the Oracle Reliance definitely a big one, and it's that much of a heavy lift. It's I think GMX v2 have employed chain link bespoke low latency oracles and yep. have to give like 20 percent of uh, maybe not 20 percent it's, it's like pretty a small lot of small percent yeah um, but they they're giving like a portion of their revenue to chain link directly to actually provide that infrastructure to enable them to do it and i mean yes they're providing a service but come on like <laughs> there's not many profitable protocols in the whole space and like chain link are just doing what chain link do and trying to get their grubby little hands all over it. long live <laughs> pip <laughs> you know, upset the Marines, man. Be careful. No, I love, I love them. I love them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. You want to talk about the advantages over clubs? Yeah. So we've mentioned this a few times, and like, and you'll see, uh, like Vertex, Hyperliquid. There's aspects of their matching engine that are actually off-chain because to actually compete with a central limit order book. The speeds are like astounding. <laughs> yeah. So even even Solana at like 0. 0.4, uh, at 400 milliseconds, um, probably not good enough. Hence, jump building Fire Dancer, which is going to be yep. processing like a million transactions a second, and that that might be sufficient for them. Um, but yeah, it's like as you say, as you've made in the notes, like DYDX going to their new chain. I've got my apprehensions over that, but they need you need to be able to get the latency as law as physically possible um to actually compete with central limit order books and um yeah if you want to do it at scale like doing it when there's like 10 people trading that that's one thing 
doing it when there's like hundreds of thousands of people that you want to like if we're not building for that like what are we even doing here like you know right. it's like <laughs> um have you seen the, the yeah have you seen the numbers coming out of intent x daily actives no they're up there with they're up there with like the gmx's and things i know it's like a lot of it will just be people trying it out but yeah it's really impressive to see, yeah really impressive to see they've got like big numbers through the door straight away yeah that's exciting hopefully that drives revenues and that drives innovation right yeah as long as i as long as actually something begins to happen on base <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's pretty smart that they put their home base on base and just drive a little bit of the hype there yeah yeah so have we missed any of the projects so we did in 10x uh protocol um if anyone's listening they don't subscribe if you subscribe you'll get a notification when the episode repair protocol comes out you, what's going on with with fina because i've, I've said i've seen yeah. people mention this that's like a bnb one i haven't really tried uh, it right, too okay. much um but yeah they all kind of use simio in the background because that's like the uh the infrastructure that ha makes the solver net network possible um but they're all plugging into that for their intent-based perps um, so, so those are basically really front ends. Down to, what's that it's going to be it's going to be a huge bd marketing ui yes. ux player then yeah no it's yeah you gotta offer the best ux and just listen to the the users pretty much because it's hopefully you offer something different from everybody else and that's how you're going to stand out here because i think a lot of these guys are playing in the same place yeah so we mentioned Uniswap X. Um, we're going to give everyone the notes, by the way. We'll, we'll just make a copy and, and leave it in the description. But um, this Enoma, I've seen this. I really need to just go and like have a real good look at this. Maybe we can create something around this. It's but a big brain do you, one. Do you know, yeah, do you know anything about it? Or? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It's basically they're trying to make that infrastructure. So it's a gossip network. So you can think of it separate from um, like the settle, settlement network. It's their own network where there's different nodes and amongst these nodes you can propagate messages like i want this intent um to be solved and then whichever solvers are clued into that specific type of intent can offer up some kind of settlement for that intent but for other intents they don't care about they can just tune those out so it's basically trying to make this network of different solvers different nodes that can propagate intents no matter what type of intents there are um, so you can think of it just any type of intent you want to propagate. So I know Suave is working on more of the infrastructure side from Flashbots and then um, there's perps and there's swaps and I'm sure there's other types of intents that you can express. Um, but basically it's trying to abstract away that from the user, which I'm all for. And we can get into takeaways too, but yeah, Anoma is a bit of an infrastructure uh, being built and, and the Del Delphi report goes into that more. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe like how much money do you think we could raise if we said we're building a <laughs> <laughs> a network of nodes to um, build out an intent layer? Maybe it's on its own Ethereum L2. Oh, for um, sure. Um, and yeah, at least a billion there? FTV, man. Yeah. Just got to get the right KOLs and. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's it's. Um, it's their availability is on Celestia and it's, oh nice um, yeah we're using risk zero in the background and <laughs> and then the network of nodes is um supported through eigenlayer restaking as well so oh nice yeah, yeah. account abstraction that just put us up to a 
that 10 billion <laughs> immediately oh man you get paradigm on the phone <laughs> actually they're calling me now <laughs> just whispered the sweet words of sound bites in the area <laughs> um all right what have you got for takeaways before i waffle the listeners to death <laughs> no i mean overall i'm really excited about what intense can bring like the more my takeaway is more abstracting we're doing the more taking away the complexities from the user the better from my perspective so if the user gets to if they just have to express what they want but not necessarily how to accomplish their desires i think that's a feather in crypto's cap um, and bringing price discovery on chain is the first step in distancing ourselves from these centralized powers that everyone's worried about which i don't disagree for the most part and even though we're relying on these market makers to provide these markets bringing these on chain adds a layer of accountability that doesn't exist right now um, for like 98% of the trading volume that happens right now. Uh, so if we can get to the point where a user doesn't know or even care what they're using, like under the underneath the hood, whether that's Arbitrum or Solana or Cardano, I think we're headed in the right direction. Yeah. Completely Speaking of which, you, you see the TVL chart for Cardano recently? It's doing oh, pretty God, well. Have to... <laughs> I was pretty surprised, to be honest. I'm ready for him to say that the pivoting to a, an EFL too. <laughs> There's no way. Those guys are, they're stuck in, man. They're like the, the most vocal of the bag holders out there. Them and the XRP guys for the most part. We've seen one of the, the decks is that talk in 2049. It had like one of the biggest booths at the fourth day. And I was just really? like, what the hell is even going on here? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's worth a look. TVL's going up. Take a look. You have to get, you have to get your trades. Each trade has to get peer-reviewed before. <laughs> Charles 12 course on all of them. Yeah, 12 co-signers before it makes it <laughs> onto the blockchain. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I wasn't kind of... I initially didn't have this main takeaway, but after hearing Huff speak about it, who's obviously a lot closer to it than, than me, it's like... The com different kind of advanced order types, I think the speed of listens, as we've previously mentioned, is such a huge USP. And I think it kind of blows a lot of competitors out of the water that are relying on um, kind of like passive liquidity, whether that be, um, well, I'm not going to go into names anywhere. Um, types of trade, I think are going to be really interesting. Uh, cross margin, both legs, mentioned that one previously. I think there's going to be pushbacks. I think we're definitely going to see people be vocal about it. Particularly yeah. if any one of them does well, <laughs> yeah, because people will be salty and want to. That's going to be the that's going to be the uh, lowest hanging fruit for them to attack. Did you um, see the um, Gwart post? Yeah. Uh, do you guys call it Uniswap X or Wrapped Binance? <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that account, man. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, Sorry, and I suppose. Ahead. We remove trust assumptions of opaque venues like centralized exchanges, but again, how many people can truly play in the market making space if it's if we're going to go to into intense based systems? I suppose the beauty of the MM for all its flaws are kind of anyone off the street could, if <laughs> well, not anyone off the street, but anyone 
who's kind of operating this space could actually be a liquidity provider. Now, I don't even know if that's a good thing because they're not going to be profitable. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's it's... a question to ask. It's like, what do you think is the end state? Do you think it, any guy off the street is going to be a, an LP or is that going to be a spe specific job for a market maker? Like, is that just for sophisticated actors? I don't know. Question it is an interesting one. Because on one hand, I think you probably should know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, probably, if you want to make any money. Um, and the other hand, it's like, it should be a permissionless system and anyone should be able to do what they want. So yeah, my head Maybe and heart tells me two different things. Really happen anyway. <laughs> uh, you're going to see decentralized solvers. <laughs> I mean... That's, right. <laughs> That's yeah. how we're over the $10 billion project that we're raising for at the minute if anyone wants to the Permissionless <laughs> solvers. Yeah, let's do it, man. <laughs> anyone could go in and try to be a market maker. Oh, God. we got some great ideas between us, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when when uh when blockmates ventures. <laughs> Actually it might be sooner than you think, but we'll be back <laughs> said. All right. I think that's about it. Um I enjoyed that one. I think it was I got a lot from it. Um don't know what we'll do next. If there's any suggestions, just leave it leave it in the comments. If there's any any kind of emerging topics. Um not Cardano <laughs> D5. We're not gonna do that. But um, do that. yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah, that could be quite funny, couldn't it? Um, but yeah, that was great. Um, was fun. Please give us a like. Please give us subscribe. If you enjoy the content, share it with your share it with your friends, and we'll see you next time. See you, man. Bye.